Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 813. If life is all about the journey, then put me in the driver's seat. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Albert Hylas. Hey, Albert, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. Let's hit the road. All right. Albert Hylas is the founder and editor of Autobahn Automotive Media. It's an automotive blog showcasing everything automotive. He covers the spectrum from car reviews to event coverage and much, much more. He's a former automotive dealership manager and is now a sales manager for Prospero Hospitality, a hotel management company operating out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Albert is a lifelong resident of Pittsburgh and has been passionate as a volunteer in the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix since 1996. And you listeners will remember that uh, last week we had four people as key individuals from the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix in the show here at Cars Yeah. Albert was bitten by the car bug thanks to his father, who's also a car guy. And while his father's a fan of MGs, Albert's passion fell for Volkswagens. Thanks to Herbie the Love Bug, you remember that movie. This led to Albert being a caretaker of an original screen-used Herbie in his eclectic collection of cars. How cool is that? Albert is also a graduate of the car school, Northwood University, where he obtained both his undergraduate and graduate degrees. So, Albert, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career, your business, your blog, and, of course, that passion you have for automobiles? Sure. Well, my passion for cars, it started when I was a kid. I've loved cars since as long back as I can remember. Uh, You know, and obviously from my dad being a car guy, it rubbed off on me. But it led to me deciding to really I wanted to work my daily life around cars, other than just having it as a hobby. My great uncle and my cousin were both car dealers, and that led me to want to be in the automotive industry, which led me to Northwood. And uh, eventually, for my undergraduate and my master's degrees, and then it led me through several different dealerships in the Pittsburgh area uh, before I finally found my true calling was with uh, customer service, which led me to the hospitality industry. And uh, after 20 years in, in the working field, I find myself here now enjoying as much as I can in my daily life with work and playing with cars as much as I can when I'm not at work. Well, this is a great story for listeners out there in Cars Yeah world because a lot of my guests own their own businesses. They have their own businesses around the automotive hobby. However, I've had some guests in the past that have a career that's outside of the hobby, but they still stay very, very active and involved in a way that could lead to even a full-time working job with your blog or whatever it is down the road or through volunteering like you do with the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. So, Albert, you offer a host of alternatives for those listeners listeners out there that want to figure out, gosh, how can I get more of my life around cars? How can I do it? So we're going to learn a lot more of how you're doing that as we continue on your automotive journey. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a mantra or some kind of an inspirational quote here. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Albert, take the wheel. Well, 
Probably my uh, my mantra would be, if life is all about the journey, then put me in the driver's seat. I like to be in control, basically. <laughs> Typical guy. <laughs> How have you incorporated that concept into what you're doing with your blog and even what you're doing as far as donating time to events like the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix? Well, in terms of my blog, it led me to start that in 2007. Uh, that was right at the, the beginning of the recession. Uh, at the time, I was working for a car dealer. Ooh, tough time for car dealers. It, it was very tough, and it was a uh, it was a high-line dealership. We dealt with Audi, BMW, and Porsche. Uh, you know, so it, the recession hit there a little sooner than it did before your typical, you know, Chevy, Ford, Chrysler dealers. Mm-hmm. So my position was eliminated. So, you know, I found myself looking for work. Well, at that time, there were no car dealers hiring anybody. Everybody was kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what they were going to do. So at the time, I went into the uh, the insurance industry selling life insurance and annuities. And at the same time, also went back to school for my master's degree. But at the same time, I said, well, how can I keep myself in the car business. Uh, that was where my passion was. That was where I wanted to be. How could I keep my uh, toes in, in that field, so to speak? Mm-hmm. So I was looking around at different things that I could do. And I said, well, you know, maybe, you know, having a dealership wasn't the right thing to do, but I enjoy writing about cars. Maybe I'll, do, I'll start a blog. And I did some research online, found that you could, you know, set up a blog relatively you know, free, basically. Uh, so I just started writing about cars and what was going on at that time in, in the auto industry, uh, you know, because every day there was something coming yeah, out. plenty to write about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, GM's going bankrupt. Chrysler's going bankrupt. Uh, they're going to Washington to ask for money. I mean, there there was always something going on. So I was had this regular stream of stories coming in to write about. So I wrote about what was going on in the industry. Um, you know, you had different manufacturers basically going out of business. You know, we lost Hummer, Pontiac. Uh, we lost Saab. There, there were a lot of, you know, a lot of stories like that going on. I said, you know, well, let me put my my spin on it because uh, I had already been in the car business for a few years. So I could understand a good portion of why they had to do what they did. So I was able to explain it to where people could understand it. Right. Yeah. Instead of a lot of the things that were going on in the news, then you'd read these headlines and news articles by people that weren't car people, and you kind of scratch your head going, well, how can that be? What's going on there? So sounds like you had some great credibility amongst these uh, new readers that you were picking up and what you were writing. And yeah, what a, oh, that was a super challenging time for everybody. I've had so many guests on this show that talk about that time almost putting them under or losing jobs during that time, like what happened with you, and they had to figure out something new to do. So not something we all want to live through again. Well, let's go back in time a little bit before we talk more about what your blog's all about, because I want to learn more about that. But first, let's talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed a car guy? Well, Looking back, I have a picture. It's a an old Polaroid picture from when I was a, a little kid that was me sitting on the floor with literally a pile of toys around me. It was up over my knees. And 
every toy that was around me was cars. <laughs> it was there were cars and trucks. I mean, I couldn't have been more than maybe three years old at the time. But that kind of was I look back at it now. It's like that's when I really knew I was in the cars. Yeah. Um, at that time, my father was a he was a car guy. He uh, he had a couple of MGs. So I was used to going out with him and for rides and tours and car shows and all that. But at the time I had asthma and when I would have an asthma attack, the only way I would sit still was to watch one of the Herbie, the love bug movies. (laughs) That's cool. And that really cemented it because at the time my parents happened to have a VW beetle and it was very hard for them to find a babysitter that would agree to stay in the garage the, the entire night when my parents would go out. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I spent, if I wasn't playing with my toy cars, I was in the garage playing in Herbie, basically. Yeah. So that led to them having to sell the car. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah, and that is what cemented it that I was a car guy. Isn't that funny? What kind of NGs did your dad have when you were little? My dad had uh, MGBs. Okay. Oh, ah, great little cars, sixties cars. Oh, I wanted one of those when I was a kid. My father, I'm older than you. My father had a 49 MGTC, which was an old car at the time, early sixties. I was five, six years old. That's what cemented it for me were those, those rides in that MGTC. Cause it yeah. just was such an odd car compared to, you know, I think my parents had a Pontiac Le Mans at the time and an Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, but there was this little tiny dainty toy in the garage that was an mg so yeah very very nice but i love the story about herbie and we're going to learn about your herbie the love bug i'm sure during our talk but first i want to take you down a road and have you talk about a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way i know you talked about losing your job during the time when the recession hit where it impacted the car industry so greatly and maybe that's the one you want to talk about but more importantly what did the experience teach you so kind of take us there walk us down that road then tell us how that helped you gain even more momentum in your business and your career well that was probably the most challenging uh, aspect of my life was when that that hit and I lost my job because that really was the first time I ever lost a job. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever was laid off. So at that time, you know, again, I, I kind of was questioning everything that was going on in my life. It's like, you know, well, how long is this going to last? What's going to happen? What's what's the landscape of the auto industry going to be like when this is done? Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, at the time, dealers weren't hiring anybody. And an avenue that I had kind of started to go towards career-wise was I wanted to go work for one of the manufacturers. And I really wanted to go work for Volkswagen of America. Being a Volkswagen fanatic, that was kind of the ultimate for me was to, to work for Volkswagen. I didn't know in what capacity I could work for them in, um, but everyone that I had talked to uh, in their human resources department and a few friends that I know that who had worked for Volkswagen, every time I had talked to them, they said, you know, well, you know, they're not going to talk to you unless you have a, a master's degree. Uh, you know, just having a bachelor's degree isn't going to cut it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, this was in 2008, I got a, a package in the mail from from Northwood University, it was talking about their first ever automotive background 
MBA program. Oh, wow. And it was the first program of its kind. Northwood, they are the car school. Uh, if you want to be a car dealer or if you want to work for a, a manufacturer, that's really the school that uh, you go to for that. The professors are all former dealers or former manufacturer reps. And it's not a school where they you go and they teach you how to sell cars. You go and they teach you how to run the auto industry, mm. how to run a dealership or how to, to run a manufacturer or run one of the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So when I saw this MBA program, it just, it clicked. I'm like, this is what I was looking for. This, this was it. And I debated and debated about doing it. I talked to my, uh, my roommate from my undergraduate program, who was, he's my best friend. And I was talking to him about the program. He had received the same package and he goes, I'm going to do this. And he, his name's Steve. Steve talked me into this. So I said, you know what? Fine. I'll do it too. Two of us both went back to school for our, our master's degree. And we were with up two dozen other like-minded executives from the auto industry. The program was initially geared towards people at the dealership level. But they had to readapt it because we had uh, classmates that worked for General Motors. We had classmates from Ford. Uh, we even had classmates that worked in the uh, automotive aftermarket sector for different um, product companies. So it was a full master's program, but all of the materials and everything were kind of tweaked towards the auto industry. So a lot of what we studied was geared at that, and we could put our automotive mindset to it to solve these problems in, in our in our casework that we would do. And it was a, a very unique program. It was the first of its kind. And I was in the first graduating class for that with about 18 people that ended up uh, finishing the, the graduate program. Oh, how fortuitous that that came in the mail when it did. Yeah. I feel blessed that I was able to do that. Um, I'm the first member of my family to, to have a master's degree. So I, I feel, uh, feel very honored to have that. Very nice. That's great. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. That sounded like a pretty good aha moment right there. But tell us about one that really stood out for you and kind of walk us through the steps on how that all came to be. Well, an aha moment for me was my decision to go into the hospitality industry. After the recession, I had the opportunity to go back into the auto industry. And uh, I worked with a couple of dealers, worked with a couple others in terms of trying to gain employment with them. Didn't really get me there, but a few of them, honestly, they took advantage of me. Uh, they, they took advantage of my passion for the business and my passion for cars. I've always had this customer service mindset. Uh, the car business, the key goal of it is, yes, you sell cars. You know, how many cars a dealership sells in a month and a year. And I could look beyond that. And, and my mindset was geared towards, well, you know, you have people coming in the door to buy a car. Well, what is their experience? What are they experiencing when they walk in the door? What's their first impression? So, you know, I looked at a lot of the 
how was the dealership laid out? What did what? How were the cars displayed? Uh, and that was really where I learned, you know, that there's a hospitality aspect to it because the auto industry, or the dealership sector, is so competitive. You want to capture the customer when they walk in, because if you don't make that good first impression, they're out the door and they're on to to your neighbor or your competing. Uh, Ford dealer, Chevy dealer, whatever. Sure. And I would sit and talk with with dealers about that. And as I would talk to them, I could just see see their eyes glaze over and I could see that it was over their head. And they're like, okay, well, how many cars can we sell this week? (laughs) Yeah. They weren't seeing that other part of the picture. Yeah. And there was just that whole other part of it that they just didn't, they couldn't grasp it and they didn't know how to, to handle that. And uh, I finally got to the point where I just was like, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, spinning my wheels here trying to advance with this. And I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, is now my boss. And uh, I was talking to him about, you know, some of these challenges that I have. And, and he told me, he goes, you know, well, why don't you come work for me and try the hotel business? And I said, well, I don't know anything about the hotel business. Right. <laughs> he goes, well, it's, it's, customer service. It's all what you're talking about. He goes, come work for me and, you know, we'll see where this goes. And uh, I, I started that the, this journey about a year and a half ago, and I, I really enjoy it. I do miss the car business to some extent, but again, being able to play with cars on a, you know, on my free time, I do really enjoy it. And I get to still work with the car industry a little bit uh, in my role as a sales manager Uh, Because I'm working with my particular uh, hotel property I work at. I work with Ford, General Motors, and and Chrysler reps when they come in to have their uh, their regional dealer meeting. Okay. So I I do, same time, I still have my toe in the auto industry to an extent. Exactly. Very cool. Interesting story. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that really stands out for you that you'd like to share with us? Uh, my proudest one was when I had the uh, the opportunity to work with my cousin. Uh, growing up, I looked up to him and, and his father, my great uncle. Uh, they were both dealers, and uh, I had the opportunity to work with my cousin for a few years before he retired, and uh, it was something I had always wanted to do. It was too many years too late to get the opportunity to work for him. I feel that if I would have had the chance to work with him earlier in my career, uh, he and I really could have uh, did some great things together. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. And you're very fortunate you did get some time there with a family member. Not too many people get to do something like that, and especially where it's something that works out and he can be a mentor to you as well. So, well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time and talk about your first really special car. What was that vehicle? Maybe you could share a memory you have about that car. Well, my first really special car was a 1972 Volkswagen Super Beetle. Now, now why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> this car, it's been in my family since 1992. For years, my dad had always said after he sold the Beetle that my, my family had when I was a small child, uh, he always said, well, we'll get another Beetle one day. And we happened to be driving past the local Volkswagen dealership one Saturday afternoon. And here was this baby blue super beetle sitting on the corner of their used car lot. 
we pulled in. The dealership was just closing. We happened to meet uh, one of the, the managers as they were walking out. And uh, they were closing for the day, but he said there was another salesman inside and, and he would help us. And we ended up buying the car right then and there. <laughs> nice. And even though I was still, you know, I was well below driving age, I was probably 10 or 11 years old at the time. It was for all intents and purposes, it was my car. And I have two special stories with the car. The first one was uh, in 1994, my father was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Oh, no. When he went in for sur- before he went in for surgery, he had sold his car, two of his cars that he had, his personal car. And then at the time, he also had a, a 1993 40th anniversary Corvette. And that was his toy. And he sold those, but kept my mom's car and he kept the Beetle. That was in case something did happen to him, God forbid, during the surgery. He wanted me to be able to have that Beetle to remember him. Oh, nice. Yeah. So everything went great. Surgery was fine. So we had the Beetle still. We kept it for a few more years. And then we ended up selling the car. When we sold it, I was devastated. And it wasn't because we were selling it and we didn't have another Beetle. We, we, at that time, we had already gotten Herbie, but we sold the car and it just, it devastated me because it was my first car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at that time I was a driving age and we sold it. And about two years later, we were at, went to a car cruise and it was on a com- the complete other side of Pittsburgh from where we live. And we pull into the parking lot at this restaurant where the cruise is. And here sitting in the parking lot is this baby blue super beetle. Hmm. And I look at it and I go, that looks like my old car. And we start walking closer to it and closer to it. And I keep going, that really looks like my car. And I get right up on top of it. And sure enough, here in the window are still the stickers from the VW clubs that I was in. (laughs) There it was. I go, there's my car. It completely phased me that there was a for sale sign on the window. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. So we started talking to the the couple sitting behind the car, and they had remembered me. And they they remembered how upset I was when they bought the car. They go, Albert, you're not going to believe this, but this is the first night that we put a for sale sign on the car. Wow. There you go. Here it is again. And I said, well, take it off. (laughs) Yeah, it's a done deal. (laughs) Yeah. my, My dad and I, we bought the car back. That was in... Uh, 1999. To this day, I still have the car. Nice story. (laughs) And then another story with that car that I I fondly remember was um, with the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. We do a kickoff rally every year. And in 2006, my grandmother had passed away. And it was maybe a month or two later that the, the Grand Prix event started. So my dad and I did the rally every year. And this particular year, we invited my grandfather to come along with us. That was just a really special trip to be able, you know, three generations of, of Albert Hylases, because we're all named Albert, in the same car out enjoying this this event. And I know it was special for my grandfather, but it was, it was really special for me to be able to spend the time with both him and my father. Oh, of course. 
Wow. Ah, awesome stories. Thank you for sharing those with us. <laughs> those are great. Love stories like that. Well, how about the sad story, the seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? One car that I do wish I had back, oddly enough, it's another Volkswagen Beetle. It was a 1977 Beetle sedan, which to the diehard Volkswagen enthusiasts, know that that 1977 was the last year that you could buy a Beetle sedan in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And my dad and I had purchased this particular car from the widow of a VW dealer in Oklahoma. And the car sat on her husband's showroom in his dealership from the time it was new. Wow. The car was never titled. And it had 154 original miles on it. Oh, my gosh. Brand new car. It was literally a brand new car. Wow. And that is one car that I wish we hung on to. Uh, At the time, that was when the new Beetle had first come out. And we had it and we kind of captured the momentum and the excitement of the new Beetle uh, by selling the car to a a dealer in Ohio who purchased it to put on their showroom floor. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know what happened to it. I, I've not been able to f- track that car down since. Hmm. But uh, it was it was a very special car because it was literally brand new. Wow. Rare find for sure. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are you working on right now that has you really excited and fired up? Well, right now, going back to my roots a little bit with, with my dad and the MGs, I'm working on a 1973 MG Midget with my dad. Uh, He purchased the car last fall on a business trip, of all things. Uh, He found the car and fell in love with it and bought it and had it shipped back here to Pennsylvania. It's a toy for him that he wants to drive um, and enjoy at some of the car events that we go to. But it's it's fun to be able to work on a, an MG with him at, at an age where now I can help him and, and really enjoy it myself. Oh, yeah. How cool is that? Ah, you're a lucky guy. Most definitely. Well, here's a very introspective question, Albert. If you were a car, what kind of car would Albert be? I, I kind of think I might know the answer to this one, but we'll see. And why? Well, the car that I think I would be would be a Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Oh, cool. You know, being my family heritage is German and uh, a little bit of Italian. That's kind of the, you know, the suaveness of an Italian car, but with the reliability of a German car all mixed together. Yeah, very cool. Well, those hold a special place in my heart. I had one in high school at 67 and had that car all through high school and part almost all the way through the end of college. So love that car. I called it my poor man's Porsche. Did a lot of mods to that car, including repainting it and building up the engine and all sorts of cool stuff, wheels and stereo and all the fun things you did back then. So I love Carmagia. I've always thought maybe I'd like one back. And a local friend of mine bought one, 67, and let me drive it. And then I realized why I didn't want it back. It was so slow. I was like, I don't remember it being this slow. Now, I had a bigger engine in mine. I had a 2110cc in that car. It 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 did pretty well. But compared to the modern cars nowadays, yeah, wasn't quite the memory that I experienced, but they're very beautiful cars. I, I love the design, and I would kind of like to have one back, but I might have to stuff like a 2.2 liter 911 engine in the back, something like that, just to yeah. give it a little extra oomph. <laughs> well, Albert, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. 
Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Albert, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So hold on. Here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Being a former dealer, I'd say buy low, sell high. (laughs) Yes. I always thought being a former dealer, you'd say don't buy a new car. Buy a car that's a couple (laughs) years old and let someone else take the depreciation hit. But uh, I understand. Yeah, buy low, sell high. Now we're in the collector car market. We're talking here. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success? Uh, Mine is putting others first. Mm, customer service. I always, I always put other people's needs before my own. Very nice way to go through life. Are you familiar with Carl Sewell's book about customer service, Customers for Life? Have you ever read that book? Yes, I am. Oh, of course. I, yeah, I have a copy of it. Yeah, it's a great book. I gave that book away to a lot of people back when it came out. I thought it was a fantastic book. And you could tell when you went into a dealer that had read his book because they did everything the way he said down to the candy jar when you pay your bill. You know, it was like mm-hmm. everything was thought through. Now, how about a resource? Is there one out there that you enjoy, you think the Cars Out listeners would enjoy as well? Well, there's a couple that I can throw out there. Uh, the first one would be for the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, which is uh, pvgp.org. Yes. There is my blog, Audubon Automotive Media, which is uh, Audubon Automotive News blogspot.com three rivers volkswagen club which uh, i'm the president of which is the number three 
riversvwclub.org. And lastly is thebugmovie.com. Thebugmovie.com. Now, what's that site about? Uh, except the obvious. Well, The Bug Movie, it's a full-length documentary uh, film on the Volkswagen Beetle and called The Bug, The Life and Times of the People's Car. Oh, I have seen that. I have. That's wonderful. I, I make a, uh, a small cameo appearance in it. You do? Um, but I was, yes, I was, I was one of the Kickstarter backers for it, and uh, they did a segment on Herbie, and, and I was... Uh, I wasn't. I was interviewed for it, but my interview was uh, wasn't used in it. But I was in part of it. Relegated to the cutting room floor. Well, that won't happen today, Albert. You're going to be in this entire show, so <laughs> you've redeemed yourself. But I have seen that. It's a great, great show. I got to go back and watch it again and watch for you. So that's very, very cool. Well, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would that be? Well, there's a couple. Uh, one would be Preston Tucker. Oh yeah, who is somebody that I I greatly admire. Uh, you know what he did to, to kind of turn the auto industry on its head, and then uh, two others that are both very important to, especially to me, with being a Volkswagen fanatic, is uh, Dr. Ferdinand Porsche, oh, yeah. who designed the Beetle, and Major Ivan Hurst, who was the British officer who basically saved the Beetle after the war, after World War II ended. Very cool. Those would be some interesting people to have around the table. That's for sure. Very nice choices. Now, how about a book? Is there a book out there you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, I'll tell you, one of my favorites is The Last Open Road by Burt Levy. He's been a guest on this show. His whole series of books have have just, they captured me. I, I Ever since I read The Last Open Road, I'm like, I, I can't get enough of it. It's like I've, <laughs> I've read every single one of them. He's got quite a series of books that uh, he's done. Bert, have you met Bert before? Yes. Yeah, well, if you've met him, you'll never forget it. That's for sure. He is quite, yeah. quite a character. The car mooch, he's tried to mooch me out of my cars a couple of times to drive some of my old race cars. Yeah, he's a great guy, <laughs> but his books are absolutely, they just... You just wrap yourself in them. They're so wonderful. And I, I should have mentioned before you mentioned Preston Tucker. I had Preston's great-grandson, Sean Tucker, as a guest here on Cars, yeah, who brought some very interesting oh, insights wow. yeah, into his family. And, uh, of course, I've had uh, Rob Ida, who's building the, the original Tucker design car, a copy of that first Tucker, the Tucker Torpedo um, that they're going to do. He's building that car. So, uh, yeah, some relationships with the Tucker family here on Cars, yeah. Very nice. All right, I'll remind our listeners you can find – all these great resources Albert has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com slash Albert Hylas. You spell his last name H-E-I-L-E-S. And there's another great place on the Cars Yad website called Guest Recommended Books under the Resources tab, where this book that um, Albert has recommended and all the past books from the past guests, including the entire series of Bert Levy's books, there for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Albert. And this last question can be a real doozy. I'm going to buy you any very cool collector car in the world to have in your garage, but you can't sell it to buy a bunch of Herbie the Love Bugs. You got to keep it. You got to enjoy it. But money is no object today here at Cars. Yeah, we're getting out the big checkbook. What would that car be and why? Well, one car that I would love to have one of is the 1974 Porsche 911 RSR IROC. Oh, oh gosh. Okay, now we're talking cars. Yeah, baby. Oh, I love those things. Let me tell you real quick before you tell me why. I had um 
The car matchmaker, Spike Ferriston, who's a TV celebrity, he's been on this show twice now. He was just on, he was actually my 800th guest not too long ago, a few weeks ago. And since he's a car matchmaker and he knows me as a Porsche guy, I love Porsche 911s, I asked him, hey, Spike, what car would you match me with? And guess what it was? The IROC. Yeah, the car you chose. (laughs) So what do you like about it? Because he already, he knows how much I like those cars. Well, I'll tell you, what drew me to that car was the Porsche dealer that I worked for. Um, his name was Bob Nickel, and he was a, a former racer, and he owned one. And it was just such a fascinating story to me because when I first saw the car, and I had seen it at some events before I worked for him, and I, I, I knew it was a race car, but I didn't really know the background of it. But I didn't understand how special it was till I worked for him, and, and he told me about the car. And the one he has, he bought it as a used race car in, in 19, I think it was 1975 or 1976. You know, it was just an old race car at the time. And he bought it. He raced it a little bit, but he also drove it on the street, which is what I really like about the car, because it's a track car that you can drive realistically. It's got wipers. It's got headlights, turn signals. It has all everything that you would need to make it a street car. And then when I started digging deeper into it as as my interest in Porsches grew, the more I kept coming back to that car and reading about it, I'm like, these really are special cars because they're out there. If you're a real Porsche nut, you know what they are. But a lot of people don't really understand how unique that that car is because it was only used for one season. Yeah, that is a very... Very, very special car. I know Jerry Seinfeld has one, and there's only a few of those around because they built those and they put famous drivers in them like Donahue and Fittipaldi. And I mean, there's just the names go on and on of the guys that, that drove those cars back in the day. And yeah. Yeah, Revson, uh, Foyt, Petty. I mean, all the greats were driving. I went off to do a little research to find out which one he had, um, which car that he had. Do you remember the color of the car and if it was the original color? It was originally aubergine, which was the, oh, the, the kind of bright color. purple yeah. color. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. It yeah. was the, the aubergine car, mm. uh, but Bob had repainted the car Peru red. So today it, it still has the graphics and the numbers and every panel has a different name on it. Cause I, I believe um, I remember correctly. Fittipaldi drove it. Petty drove it. Al Unser drove it. Wow. Forget who the, the fourth was. But every wherever they would put the names on the cars on his on Bob's car, it has each panel has a different name on it. Oh, okay. Wow, very cool. Wow. Well that oh my gosh, Albert, that's gonna cost me a pretty penny. <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time. Number one, finding a guy who wants to let go of that and then finding one for you. But uh I will get to work for you. I think it's great you picked that car. Yeah, that is a very, very cool car. And uh there's some people making some or building some very cool tribute cars to those that uh can come close and in some cases are probably even a little better because I've put uh different engines in them. But uh very nice choice, my friend. I like that. I like that very, very much. Well, Albert, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories on I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 74 RSR IROC Porsche? Well, mine would be do what you love. Do what makes you happy because you only get one life to live and you got to be happy at it. Do what you love. Absolutely. And again, what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and your blog? What's that website again? 
My blog is audubonautomotivenews.blogspot.com. And then everywhere else, I go by Herbie, the number three, Rivers, as on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else. Okay, great. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Albert has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Albert or Albert Hylas, H-E-I-L-E-S, into the search bar, and that page will pop up with links. I would encourage you to follow along with what he's up to. I think you'll have a lot of fun, just like Albert's having. Albert, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. Pleasure's been all mine. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, You'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Cars Yeah!